You're listening to the Audacious Leadership Podcast. This interview was recorded by Senior Pastor Glenn Barrett during the coronavirus lockdown of 2020. For any more information about us, head to our website, audaciouschurch.com. Hey, everybody. So great to have you with us tonight. We have the opportunity. We'll, we'll definitely take some of your questions tonight as well. Robbie, um, one of the stats I heard coming out of China recently was a combination of um, an increase in divorce rates as a result of husbands and wives spending so much time together, uh, difficulties with parenting and children, um, gosh, even physical abuse in homes and, and, and different things like that. So I wonder if we can talk about parenting and marriage for a moment. Parents are spending a lot of time with their children. Schools are closed. Colleges are closed. Universities are closed. Um, give us three top tips on parenting Ooh. children right now. And let's maybe focus on young children up to teenagers. What can you give us in terms of the best way for, for mums and dads single parents not to kill a child during this period of lockdown? Well, probably tip number one, two, and three are going to be all the same, reinforcing upon each other, and that is simply being intentional. Uh, I think that in this time when all of our routines have kind of gone out the window because we're no longer going to work and they're no longer going to school, um, we kind of tend to react to whatever's happening in our day. And if we are not careful, we'll end up binge watching, you know, series after series into the wee hours. And then we've had a lazy sleep in and the kids have run amok downstairs and, and there's chaos and then there's mess. And then we wake up and we react to the mess. And so it's always a, a, a one after the other reaction. But if we become intentional about, okay, how can we actually make this time the best possible time to make memories during this time to, you know, set up the tent inside and and go glamping you know in the in the in the living room as the case may be or or where are we going to do our special family time since we can't go out or what are we going to do in and and when the kids get involved and we sit down and we actually come up with a creative plan like a thousand different ideas doesn't matter how grandiose they are chuck the bad ones out and, and and seize the good ones and actually make a structure for our day it doesn't matter i mean Everyone seems to be an instant expert online these days telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do when you're in social isolation and the rest of it. And look, some of those ideas are great. And, uh, and so all you need to do is go online to get some great ideas. But it's not, some matter, not so much the idea, it's the intentionality of coming up with ideas, um, having a structure that works for you and your family. And I've heard those statistics as well. I, I heard 40%. Um, uh, the divorce rate in China is up by 40%. Um, I heard a statistic wow. yesterday, uh, the domestic violence reporting in Australia alone is up 75%. So in other words, when we're uh, squished, when we're squeezed, when we're put into each other's confined space, um, it, it's like squeezing a piece of fruit. If you squeeze it, juice is going to come out. Now, is that juice going to be bitter or is it going to make us better? Uh, is this going to be toxic and, 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 you know, poisonous for the family? Because there's, in other words, it's not the squeezing. It's what's on the inside that matters. And when we're in each other's space like this for an extended period of time, whatever's there is going to come out. 
And if there are small issues with the children that haven't been addressed or even small issues in our marriage that haven't been addressed, well, guess what? They're going to come out. In our previous life, life was so busy, we were able to go to work and just sweep it under the carpet. But now we're sweeping so much stuff under the carpet that we'll be tripping over that carpet before we know it because there's so much stuff underneath it. And so now's the time where issues are going to come to bear. Yeah. So intentionality is is key. Uh, and, and the importance of a routine, obviously that, that's been a big loss for people, a loss of uh, routine of just normal everyday behaviour, getting up, going to work, coming home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can, can you give some keys um, in regarding the intentionality aspect but also thinking about routines, daily routines for, for children, et cetera? How, how important is the routine, the daily routine now in a season like this? It- it's critical. It really is essential. Um, so rather than, you know, sharing with everyone who's listening what you should do, let me just tell you what we've done as a family. So we have written down on a board for all of the kids to see. In fact, we brainstormed it with the kids, put it all up. Um, what does the day actually look like? There is actually a wake-up time. Even though there might be no school to go to, <laughs> no, we are going to have the discipline of getting up at a particular time, of having breakfast at a particular time, of making our bedrooms and making our beds and, and, and the environment right, having, I know we're a bit, you know, we're a bit like this. We have an inspection time um, <laughs> to be able to make sure that the kids' bedrooms are that, done. And, that's and very Swiss. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah. My kids be rolling their eyes right now going, <laughs> really? Do you have to tell like the whole world? And But we do we, because we want to make sure that we have discipline because discipline begets discipline. If we can be disciplined in the small things, well, then the bigger things come automatically um, because once you're disciplined in one area of your life, it's so much easier uh, to become disciplined in other areas of your life as well. And then we factored in jobs time, okay, so the kids have a specific project that they've been allocated that they're responsible for. So we're not just figuring out, oh, you you make the breakfast and you – no, it's all structured. Uh, so the kid has the project for the week. It's theirs. They know what to do. Off they go independently, go in and do their project. Um, and then there'll be half an hour of creativity time and then their school begins and then we've got learning for a particular time. But then we've got factored in lunchtime and morning tea and afternoon tea and even family time. Uh, because if we don't plan for family time, I'm just going to be working. <laughs> the work will bleed into the, the morning and right. the night. And, right. uh, and so unless that, that is registered in the, in the schedule, um, and then it just, it's not going to happen. And so it's intentional family time where we're going to do something together. Now, whether that be in or out in the garden or, you know, just having a, a picnic on the lawn, whatever, however it might look like, um, it's, it's penciled in, it's scheduled. Good. Well, listen, while, while we're talking about parenting and marriage, we've got this question that has just come in, which I think is a really important question. Um, can you see that? Would you trust your wife to cut your hair in this time of lockdown? Yeah, well, I think that 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 question is going to vary uh, depending on uh, who who it is that's uh, that we're giving the answer for. Would you trust? A better question is: Would you trust your wife with a pair of scissors during this period, of <laughs> irrespective of what the hair might look like afterwards? But uh, will you be alive afterwards? And uh, <laughs> well, listen. I mean, talk to us about marriage. Then, obviously. A lot of husbands and wives are in a situation where they haven't spent as much time together in the house since honeymoon. Um, tips on building a strong marriage during this time, you know, ensuring that we come out of lockdown stronger than ever before, 
could you speak into that for a moment for us in terms of behavior mechanisms, ways of thinking, actions? Yeah, look, chances are we will step on each other's toes. Uh, we'll get on each other's nerves. Um, this is natural. We're, we're vulnerable human beings. Um, but when we're aware of that in advance, well, all we need to do is make sure that we fight right. And so it's a little bit like a title fight before we, you know, go blow for blow. The referee or the umpire says, okay, I want a good, clean fight, makes, you know, boxes bump fists, and then says there'll be no um, blows below the belt, no biting of ears. In other words, set the ground rules as to how we're going to fight because, um, if you're having an argument and the kids are within earshot, well, they're going to lose respect. And so now it becomes a domino effect and then you'll be for long fighting with the kids. So when we fight, when we have a disagreement, when we're having, you know, our nerves jaded and I'm just feeling stressed or frazzled or frustrated in some way, they're like warning signs on the dashboard of my car. It's not just flashing red because it's angry, upset, or wants to dance in time with the beat of the music. It's communicating, hey, you need to take action. Or is this the uh, gasoline or, or, or is it just the indicator or is it um, I need to plug my seatbelt seat belt in? If I know what the uh, signal means, then I know what the appropriate course of action will be. I can then take that action and all of a sudden disaster averted, situation resolved. And so if we can, for example, make an agreement, let's not let our emotions soar. And if we are having a disagreement and emotions start to become flare and, and the debate gets heated, let's stop. Let's take a 15 minute, you know, um, pause. Let's come back yeah. because research shows that when we do this, when we calm ourselves down physiologically in the heat of an argument, we'll come back to the argument and more often than not, we'll be able to find a successful resolution to the disagreement yes. that we're having. Excellent. That's brilliant. Obviously, you know, when we think about the spirit of God, one of the names for him, Ruach, breath, the breath of God, he breathed into Adam, you know, and even the beginning of time and just taking that breath before, you know, tensions re reach their utmost is probably one of the, the best pieces of advice that there is. Um Robbie, if, if we can talk about mental health for, for a little while, the media are definitely talking about a surge in mental health issues. I'm sure that, that you're um, dealing with that a lot in terms of talking to people, talking to pastors, leaders, um, clients, whatever that may be. Uh, the question is this, is how can we best take care of our mental health in lockdown to prevent our mental health becoming mental ill health? And how can we best support people in our world who are struggling with mental health right now? Huge question with <laughs> massive ramifications. Question. Yeah. And look, you know, mental challenges, mental and emotional difficulties are going to come to bear for different reasons. Obviously, we're living in a season where many people may have lost their livelihood. Uh, and if you've lost your job or if your business is on the brink, um, uh, these are, of course, going to be uh, different challenges to if you have lost a loved one and uh, or lost your home uh, because you can't pay the mortgage anymore or, or, uh, or whatever it might be. But those things are, are then, once again, even different from the person who hasn't lost their job, who's just dealing with the stress of having to work 
from home while still having the kids at home. And if I can't control them in terms of making noises when I'm on an important phone call or an important, you know, live Insta with Pastor Glenn Barrett, like flip, that's going to, my, my frustration levels are going to go through the roof really quickly. And so we're dealing with different things, but one of the starting points is to really understand that stress is not all bad. Um, stress has three different types. It's in terms of it's not just the amount of stress, but it's the type of stress that we're dealing with. So first, stress stress is critical, which has two interpretations. One, it's critical as in it's important because without stress, I'm bored or I'm not productive. I'm not achieving anything. And so stress is critical, critically important, but also there can be a critical incident. Uh, for example, um, I just caught news that my company might be going into receivership. And so therefore, I have an uncertain future. This is a critical incident that has taken place. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the wheels have fallen off the wagon now and you know I've gone into despair. Um, because uh, what happens next is my stress can become compounded. If I have lost my job and then I've lost the house and then my spouse says, I'm out, this is, a, this is all over Red Rover, I'm, I'm checking out of the relationship. Hey, now I'm having multiple sources of stress. It's, it's too much. And if it's too much and too severe over a period that's too long, it becomes chronic stress. And this is the moment where stress turns into distress. And this is where now it's going to start to affect my biology. I won't be able to sleep properly. I might be lying awake at night with these racing thoughts. The but what if questions will be like a mouse on a treadmill going around and around, making lots of motion, but zero progress. And because I'm not sleeping well, or I might wake up super early in the morning, which is one of the first signs of depression. And if we're not sleeping well, it's a domino effect now. I'll be frustrated during the day. Um, I won't feel like exercising. I probably will eat comfort food and now it's just it's like downhill from here robbie uh years ago now maybe four four or five years ago one of the the brilliant coffee conversations i had with you was helping me to um deal with certain thoughts in my mind and you diagnose them as ants a-n-t-s could you just kind of share with it with everybody listening right now what ants are um how they're destructive and how we can take control of them in our lives yeah, well, ants in Australia might be different to ants in England. <laughs> Our ants look like dogs. They're so big. They uh, One bite no, can but, kill you. Uh, I can't take credit for ants. Ants is actually um, uh, an acronym produced by another psychiatrist. I think it was Dr. Daniel Amen, um, who describes them as automatic negative thoughts, A-N-T-S. Now, if you've got one ant, which is an intrusive thought, uh, an unwanted and an unhelpful thought coming across the floor of your brain. Well, it's easy to just squash that thing. But if you're sitting on an ant's nest where your mind is just overrun with these ants, well, that's going to be a major challenge. That's, that's, that's going to freak pretty much anyone out. And so when we talk about ants, we've got different types of ants, these automatic, intrusive, unwanted and unhelpful thoughts. They might be sticky thoughts. So, for example, we'll go to bed at night with this particular pattern of thought. The Maybe it's a but what if question, but what if I lose my job? But then what if we lose the house? But then what if I won't be able to so on and so forth. And, and so I can't seem to shake them out of my head. They seem to stick. And so I'll dream about them all night long. And then first thing in the morning when I wake up, sure enough, whack, slap to the front of my head or to the forefront of my mind. And so these thoughts 
are with me 24-7. Now, it is important to think these thoughts because if you're about to lose your house or if you're going to lose your job, there might be important considerations and decisions to be made. So there is a time to think these thoughts, but that time is not all the time. And that's the distinction. That's where we get ourselves into trouble when our thoughts are thinking us or almost like they are calling the shots. No, we are the master of our mind. We need to lay every thought captive um, and make sure that we are exercising authority and control in a time when we have such little control, where we can't even control who we socialize with or where we go. Um, the good news is that there are, there are some areas of our life that we can still control, and that's one of them. We are in control of our emotions. We're in charge, in charge of our thoughts. We're in charge of the way in which we treat and relate to other people. So let's go ahead and exercise authority in these areas. Yeah, brilliant. I remember one of the key things you, you, you told me over that coffee conversation was with those thoughts that you need to process but are affecting your emotions in a negative way, in a sense, put a pin in it and put a diary moment in your iPhone or whatever for the later that day and, and, and say to yourself, I haven't got time to think about this now, but at three o'clock, I'm going to make time to think about it. And then you get busy. And then when the notification comes up on your phone at three o'clock, no longer is uh, the initial negative emotion attached to that thought and you can actually begin to process it with, uh, with greater clarity. I can't even begin to tell you how many times that, that's helped me over the last four years, uh, Robbie. So, so thanks so much for that. Um, you know, you're speaking about a loss of control and, and I think that's why there is such great panic. You know, we're not in control of when we can go out of our house, houses, when we can get back to church and see each other, when our businesses, for those who are unable to run their businesses right now, when can our businesses start? There are so many things that we can't control anymore. For a season, we had no control over whether or not there was toilet paper on the shelves in the supermarket or not and all that nonsense. But the reality is this, is that what we see in the Garden of Eden is that the thing that God gave us more than anything was self-control, that we do have self-control. And you've already highlighted self-control. Um, and I think that even right now in a period of lock, lockdown, uh, now's a really great season for people to actually see this as an opportunity for new things, for positive things, to actually take self-control take control and start something new. So what sort of positive opportunities do you see right now in this season for us? Well, look, if you uh, think of the idea of what we've already shared, that discipline begets discipline that begets discipline. So if I can just take one small thing in my life and discipline it, and, and, and if it takes, you know, what do they say, uh, 21 days to create a new habit, how long are we in lockdown again for the next, oh, another three weeks, so there you go. There's a great opportunity. Now, even though it probably, it takes both shorter and longer to create and maintain habits. In fact, neural wiring starts within four days and, uh, and the habit will, uh, will only be as good as you keep doing it um, beyond the 21 days. Uh, but look, it's the small things. It might be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a, a dedicated um, prayer time 
which is going to involve the kids. We're going to start like a, a Bible study uh, where we're going to start from Genesis. And in fact, we're actually doing that as a family. I've taken my oldest son and we are having uh, coffee because he's old enough to drink coffee now. And so we're having a coffee morning. It's just half an hour from nine till 9.30 in the morning. And we are just going through chapter by chapter the Bible. We're asking questions, chewing on it. It's not too long. It's not boring. It's it's interesting. It's engaging. Um, we pray and done. And b- because we're doing this every single day, it's a habit. And I hope and pray that when this is all over, this will be one of those things that gets to continue. And uh, and, and so fill in the blank. What do you want to What do you want to change? Improve your exercise. Improve your relationship. Improve your date nights. What do you want to do? Get creative. Have discipline. Brilliant. Great. Great answer. And and you're answering a lot of questions that are actually coming into the, into the question box. Can I just remind everybody, if you've got a question, just drop it into the question box at the bottom of the screen there where the question marks are. That would be brilliant. And we'll try to get through these questions. A lot of you are having your answer, your questions answered as uh, as Robbie is speaking to us, which is fantastic. One of the questions that – uh, Chris, Chris asked a great question before. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. He was yeah. saying, Go practically ahead. speaking, how do we actually lay hold every thought captive? Which I thought is a really good question because it's one thing to spout out great scriptures, but it's a whole other thing to actually nail it down practically, uh, especially if – you know, we're sitting on an ant's nest yeah. like um, we heard before. And I loved what you shared. It's so great just to compartmentalize our thoughts and exercise authority over when I will think those thoughts. So if it's three o'clock in the morning, in the afternoon, and then I can go one step further and I can go, okay, for how long am I going to think those thoughts? Just one extra layer of control. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going I'm to think about them for half an hour and then I can go one step further and say, and how will I process those thoughts? Will I talk them over with a loved one or a spouse or will I, you know, insta live about it with Pastor Glenn or yeah, how am I going to process these thoughts or will I journal them down in a book? And the, and it doesn't mean a it doesn't even really matter how you choose to process the thoughts. What matters is that you're exercising a degree of discipline over them. And when those but what if thought questions come to bear, but what if I lose my job? Let's make sure that we balance them out with um, the alternative view. In other words, put them through the God filter because God says that his ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he then invites us to see things from his perspective So when we're considering, but what if I lose my job? Well, we don't actually know the answer to that. So let's bring in the alternative balance to the equation. But what if I get a new job that's even better than my old job? Um, And and let's make sure that we have a bit of balance in that dynamic. And, and, And so one of the things that we can practically do is when we arrest our thoughts, it's going to be like, like a police officer who's making an arrest. The next step is you've got to hurl that thought off to thought court and Present your evidence before the ladies and gentlemen of the jury as t- in terms of is this thought helpful and is this thought true? Because if it's not true but it's helpful to think, no, no, don't don't keep chewing on that thing because that's yeah. called delusion. Um, or if it's uh, untrue, uh, sorry, unhelpful to think that it's true, well, equally it's not going to help you. So let's make sure that the thoughts that we let through the gate of our mind are both true and helpful, especially when it comes to dealing with the but what ifs or the worrisome ideas. Make sure you've got evidence for your thoughts. Don't just think any old thing because then you'll be catastrophizing things out of proportion and become delusional. I love that. That's that's fantastic. Uh, Robbie, you're well-read. Um, obviously, you're a doctor, you're a clinical psychologist, 
Um, and yet the Bible's amazing in the way it helps us with our, with our mental health. And, you know, the Bible's obviously really clear that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And one of the great ways that we do re- renew our mind is by being in the presence of God and simply through reading the Bible and meditating on what the Bible is saying. How, how, do, you, how do you balance science with Scripture, Scripture with science, and, and make sure that, you know what, you, it, like the dance, you know, one foot step forward, one step back, that kind of thing. So you've actually got them both balanced really well. And, and how is the Bible so helpful for you, for us in this time? Well, I love that question. Um, look, at the end of the day, the, the scriptures that, we, that we've been reading for thousands of, of years, there's not a single verse in the Bible that I can think in any way that science has challenged or undone, or said the opposite. And if it's true, authentic, uh, quality, empirical, operational science—not not pop science, not scientific theory—because um, there's plenty of that and plenty of arguments. Um, look, science only serves to confirm and validate what Scripture's been saying for thousands of years. So this is incredibly an exciting time for us to be alive in, uh, because we get to see. Um, ways in which uh, scripture was able to prophesy things long before um, we were able to validate it or confirm it through scientific inquiry. And so whenever I read a new um, empirical finding, uh, I'm excited to see how God had already gone before us. And, and whether it be the topics that we're talking about right now with relationships and parenting or renewing our mind to make sure that we've got good quality mental, mental health. Look, when I read, for example, Philippians chapter 4, uh, it's like one big mental health mandate. It's almost like the, the formula. It's like the, the, the seven-minute exercise regime that's going to burn the most amount of fat, get the most amount of uh, energy in your day, the most amount of muscle tone going on. And, and so Philippians chapter 4 starts by saying, rejoice in the Lord. Sorry, when? Always. Like, what's up with that? Like, hang on, don't you realize, like, the situation, the, the, the tsunami that we're in of, of, of both health and economic, you know, decline? And so you know, there's nothing to rejoice about, you know, and that, that's, that's preposterous. But then the, the other side of the conservative Christians will come along and say, well, if you're not rejoicing, then you're sinning. So you have to, you know, be happy. But we often confuse rejoice with an emotional state of being. Rejoice is not happiness. Rejoice is not a feeling. Rejoice is an instruction. It's an activity. It's something that we get to do irrespective of whether or not we feel like it. And so when we are praising God, presenting our requests and making them known to him with thanksgiving, I don't have to feel that way, but guess what? I will feel joy soon because it's easier to act your way into feeling than it is to feel your way into action. So if I wait for the feeling of joy to arrive before I rejoice, I'll be waiting forever. But when I rejoice, when I spend time with the Lord, when I find things to be grateful for, write in my gratitude journal, sit, put on some great worship music, it doesn't take long before my biology kicks in and my mood will follow. Don't follow your feelings. Inform your feelings by taking action first. That is brilliant. So let me ask this question then in context with that. Can you give us right now what you would consider to be the best book of the Bible to read during this lockdown period, maybe it's Philippians, you've already said, 
Um, and also uh, another book. What's another book that you could recommend to people to read during this time to help them with mental health, to help them with dealing with their emotions, um, whatever? While you're answering that, I'm running to my shelf to get two books as well. So you speak to everyone watching and I'm going to jump out of shot. Okay, now that we've got just you and me and Glenn's left left the room. No. <laughs> Look, what, one of the one of the great books in the Bible um, is the Psalms, and it, it, the reason why it's so good is not because that there are particular Psalms that we could hold on to, although we can, like Psalm ninety one, which is the reverse of nineteen, and so we just declare everything in opposition. Um, but it, the Psalms is 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 a real raw, authentic dialogue with God. With, but by a man who, who doesn't necessarily have it all together, but at least he's transparent, humble, and honest. And and so he'll often be having a good old pommy whinge and whine about the bad things that are happening in his life, and I can't believe it. Can you believe the government and flipping? Everyone's against me, and it must be a conspiracy theory. He's carrying on, and then all of a sudden he has the, the presence of mind and the discipline to stop, to arrest himself, and say, but then still let me consider the ancient wonders of his ways and let me ponder his goodness. And then all of a sudden he turns it around and he's like, God, you are the God who gets your people out of trouble. We've always been able to rely on you and you've always come through for us. And so this moment is no exception. I trust you. And because he's He's encouraging himself. King David is amazing. If no one else is around because he's in socialization, if no one else is there to encourage himself, he'll say, I'll encourage myself. And and, and I love, you know, that even though in a, a day and age where we think, oh, well, I, you can't speak to yourself because isn't that a sign of going crazy? No, King David, he spoke to himself all of the time. He said, Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. He would tell his soul, now this is the instruction, you will praise the Lord. He would speak to his yeah. mind and to his body, to his thoughts, his will and his emotion, and he would command it to be well. The Psalms is a great book for a time like this. Love it. So Psalms, and give us another book, a book by a completely different author, someone that you could recommend for everybody to do, to read. Well, there's so many books on you know mental health and therapy and but beyond that i mean one of the classics if 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 anyone you know tuning in and listening today hasn't read um uh the brain that changes itself by dr norman doidge that right there is an eye-opening awakener if you will as to how incredible this thing called the human brain really is and so basically it's unpacking some of the latest discoveries on the frontiers of Science reveals to us, wow, there's so much that we can do with our brain if only we were intentional with it. And I think that book would be a real encouragement, especially for a time like this when we've got nothing else to do but get creative. Well, let's learn some innovative ways to actually use and master our mind. I I know I think it was Albert Einstein who's credited with the quote, human beings only use about 10% of their brain's potential. Well, well, it's actually not true. Uh, research shows that we probably only use about 2% of our brain's potential because there's simply not enough wow. energy to drive uh, the brain at any one time. But can you imagine if you could just use just one more percent? 
that would represent a 50% productivity improvement on what you could accomplish uh, in your life. And so it's worth worth checking out. How can I use my brain, uh, enhance my brain, tap into my brain, harness my brain for good? That right there is a great read. The Brain That Changes Itself, Dr. Norman Deutsch. Brilliant. Thanks so much. What have we got, Glenn? Okay, I've got two I'm going to recommend. This one is unbelievable. Can Science Explain Everything um, by John Lennox. He was a professor of mathematics at Oxford University. There it is there. And um, is that around the right way? Can you see that? Anyway, there it is um, by John Lennox. And uh, it's twisted, isn't it? And um, can science explain everything? He he speaks about um, the God of the gaps that often we we think that if um, science begins to explain something that we used to attribute to God, then, you know, obviously it diminishes God. And he's saying, no, no, we have not just the God of the gaps, we have the God of everything. And so that is a fantastic book worth reading. And also for everybody out there, this one's a little bit more, um, a little bit thicker to digest, but this is called Faith Seeking Understanding by Daniel Migliori. And uh, this is a really excellent book that, that really helps to process some real deep aspects of uh, living with theology and theological aspects at work in our lives today. Um, Robbie, I, I want us to jump jump into into loss for a moment because, you know, the, we are walking through a season of loss. Sadly, one of the pastors in this city lost his best friend today, um, sadly passed mm. away. We're hearing about people in churches, you know, I mean, that this, this virus is affecting both Christians and, uh, and non-Christians. Um, it, 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 uh, all ages. And the, the real tragedy is people are sadly passing away in hospitals. Family members are not allowed to be there. Loved ones are not allowed to be with them in many cases. Mm. You know, funerals are restricted to, to close family, you know, in some cases only two or three and the tragedy is huge. And I think that also we are also adopting the national psyche of not just hope because we celebrate our key workers, you know, like last night, 8 o'clock, we're all clapping the NHS and things like that. But we're also adopting the psyche of, of tragedy and, and loss as well. How do we walk through this time of great loss and help people from a distance who have faced loss, whether it be through loved ones dying, businesses closing, loss of jobs. How, how do we do that while we're isolated and, and physically distanced from each other? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, especially um, from, a, from a pastor. It's a, it's a really pastoral question. And I think the, the same answer that we've given for pretty much every other question in our time today has been be intentional. Uh, oftentimes people don't know what to say. However, if somebody's lost a loved one, like, do you mention that? Like, cause that's just going to make them more sad. Should I maybe avoid mentioning their name or maybe not talk about things that might trigger memories of the things that, but exactly the opposite is true. That when we do go into the, to ground zero and we, we do talk about how are you doing with the loss of mentioning that person's name and, and allowing that person to grieve, it's one of the rare things um, that allows a person to make a faster recovery. So check this out for a research study. Um, one study was conducted where they looked at widows who had lost 
their spouse. And uh, they discovered that a third of the widows, um, as a result of this great grief and loss in their life, went on to develop physical health problems as a consequence. Another third of them went on to develop psychiatric or mental health um, problems as a consequence. And a third developed no psychiatric or physical problems at all. And so, of course, researchers wanted to know, what is it about this third category? Did they have jobs to go back to? Did they have responsibility, for example, children to take care of? Or or was it that they had a faith in a, in a God and, and therefore they knew that they would see their family members again one day? Well, well, actually, they found none of that to be the catalyst. I mean, I'd love to say the opposite. I'd love to say all you need to do is just believe and everything's going to be okay. But the single differentiating factor that helped people grow through this time of tragedy and not just go through this time of tragedy was that they found someone who allowed them to grieve. In other words, somebody who allowed them to have that emotion come to the surface in a safe environment to possibly cry and and not have somebody counsel them out of it, go there, there, everything's going to be okay, cheer up, because that's just point blank selfish. We feel bad when we see somebody crying and therefore we want to feel better. So we cheer them up. But no, when we just sit with them and where necessary cry with them, then it allows that processing. Whatever comes out makes you feel better. It's kind of a little bit when you feel like when you feel sick in the stomach, whatever comes out automatically afterwards makes you feel better. And that's grieving. So let's go there. Let's be intentional about reaching out, connecting and, and not just you know, verbally, and of course, obviously, we can't wrap our arms around them. But what can we do practically, even from a distance in this particular time? What are the needs? What are, you know, can I order groceries online for them? Can I take care of, um, of the various different contact, con- connecting with the family and letting people know? Or what can I do? How can I be of service? Just be intentional. Brilliant. I love that. That's so helpful. Thanks so much for that, Robbie. Um, we've, we've got some people making comments about. Uh, John Lennox's new book called uh, Where is God in the Coronavirus World? So uh, a book worth worth getting hold of there as well. Um, and that, yeah, it's quick, isn't it? That's well done. He's, uh, he's, 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 he's working well. Um, Robbie, we're getting lots of questions in. I wonder if we can just do some real quick fire you know, questions and answers. I, I want to, in a few moments' time, get you to talk about this new pastoral care portal that you've been working on. Um, and also I want to get you to close in prayer for us. We've got about another eight minutes, but here's a, here's a great question somebody's just thrown in. Have you ever likened yourself to a Bible character from the Bible? <laughs> Don't say no, say yes and tell us who. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, quick fire. Uh, um, Eve got pregnant. Uh, sometimes I think, where did this belly come from? I, like, have I been drinking too much beer? What's, what's, what's happened? Why am I, you know, and then all of a sudden she, she has a baby. She's never done this before. And there's so many things in my life I've, ne- I've never done before. And, and then, you know, the baby, all they've got to go on is the, is the animal kingdom and every other animal stands to its feet and starts barking or, or, or whatnot. And so Adam must have said, all right, get up, kid. And the kid just didn't get up, didn't stand up. And all right, say something. And the kid just made this awful noise. And so they must have thought, we've got a broke one. But yet God entrusted <laughs> humanity to them. And uh, and so even though they had no background experience and could have used all sorts of different excuses as to, I didn't have a good upbringing, this is why I can't raise my children well, this is why Cain killed Abel, no, they could have used all of the excuses under the sun, but just knowing that God still yeah. trusted them anyway, well, God trusts us with stuff too. I'm Eve from Genesis. 
There you go. Okay. Do you think some people are going to struggle readjusting post lockdown? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know that I've contemplated that. I think some probably will, but others will be like hallelujah and bounce back. Uh, I, I hope that uh, I hope that that what happens to the economy is what happens to our own personal, emotional, and well-being economy as well. Uh, I think that the answer to that question is whether or not we are intentional. Intentional. Well, what's the first thing you're looking forward to doing? First cafe, first restaurant, first um, entertainment activity outside the home you're looking forward to post-lock, post-lockdown? Snowboarding with Glenn Barrett. I, I sound, uh, I'm, I'm up It's always the right answer, although <laughs> winter is coming to a, a fast close. For those of you who are asking what the second book is, it's called Faith Seeking Understanding by Migliori. Faith Seeking Understanding by um, Migliori, and uh, that's just to help you with that. I'm just looking through some of these questions just to make sure we're answering as many of them as we can. Um, people are talking about isolation. Some people have been home alone on their own for a month and not had any other human interaction, um, you know, physical interaction. What can they just do right now? Obviously, being intentional is something that we've repeated quite often tonight. Anything else you want to add to that for people who are home alone and not with people yeah hang in there look this too shall pass and even though it's a nice you know adage to to throw in but but doesn't give us much comfort right now look god says it's not good for man to be alone but yet when you think about it he wasn't he still had uh, a communion with god and intimacy and a relationship that is second to none and so if you have and know god in your world well are you ever truly alone? So commune, take advantage of that time with the Holy Spirit and get to know him even better. Excellent. Helen has just asked this question. Could you just repeat the book again one more time, Dr. Robbie, that you uh, suggest people look at? The Brain That Changes Itself by Dr. Norman Doidge. Brilliant. Thanks so much. Robbie, why don't you just tell us just, just really briefly uh, about this new pastoral care portal that you've been developing, that you've been working on, just so pastors and leaders who are watching this now or going to be watching the rerun of this for the next 24 hours can actually, how, how can they get connected and, and find out a little bit more about it and what it is? Peoplecare.global is the landing page and it's a it's been a three-year initiative uh, gathering experts from around the world um, who all pretty much nameless, so we call it white label, uh, asking the question, what would it look like if churches and experts came together to truly develop a standardized pastoral care system uh, that works? Uh, so rather than the Russian roulette that we've got at the moment, you know, just hoping and praying that Wendy or Bill with their counseling skills or courses or whatever they've done or their, their good meaning advice, um, how can we actually take it to the next level so that we can um, gain traction, measure the results? And so we've developed a, an online digital platform in touch with the pulse of the times relevant for our modern age and especially our red, relevant you know COVID-19 season that we're in so accessing uh, information online that can actually disciple me and help me grow in whatever area whether it be parenting relationships mental and emotional well-being behavioral well-being finances across broad spectrum of, th of topics and themes and so it's about to be launched in summer this year it's been a long time in the coming but in actual fact Glenn, you might be interested. I was speaking with the, the president of the ACC, the Australian Christian Churches, yesterday and, and uh, the Australian Christian Channel. Uh, we are putting together in the next two weeks 
a, uh, a a program, a little bit like John Lennox, hot off the gate, you know, out with his new book, um, a program that is actually um, a a Christian rendition of the Empower program that we've been using for the last 15 years around the world to help people who've gone through critical incidents, trauma, and uh, high-impact life events. And so we're going to be rolling that out for churches uh, around uh, Australia to, to equip and empower people to know how to help people who have maybe right. lost loved ones, lost jobs, lost businesses, and so on and so forth. How to not just, Wonderful. you know, survive but truly thrive. How to grow through our tragedy and our difficult right. times at the moment. Thanks, Robbie. So just give us a landing page one more time that people can access for, for this information. Yeah, peoplecare.global. Go in, subscribe, put your name down uh, for the early bird information um, as to when the release date will be. And uh, it's super exciting times. We've had so many churches around the world on the precipice just waiting for a time such as this. And uh, I couldn't be more excited that it's just around the corner and that possibly we'll be making this, uh, this program available for churches within the next two weeks, if anyone's interested. Brilliant. Robbie, what time is it there in Australia right now? It's now 5.58. The sun is, is, I don't know, still sleeping. It's still dark outside. Uh, the kookaburras have gone back to bed. And uh, <laughs> Listen, mate, to, thank, this, thank you so day. much. Thank you so much for waking up so early to come online with us tonight. It it's really is. We really do appreciate it. Uh, please give our love to Nolene. My son, Jaden, says, says g'day to his buddy, Jay, your son, and uh, I was looking forward to seeing him again soon as well. But we literally Thank have you. got to close. We have one minute and 15 seconds. So, listen, in this final 45 seconds, can you just pray for everybody, please, who's tuning into this? Be my pleasure. Well, God, I just thank you so much for Pastor Glenn and for this time that we've had together. Thank you for the heart that he has for people. And I pray for every single person that has tuned into this live chat and who will be tuning in in the next 24 hours. May you comfort them, bless them, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need not be afraid because you are with us. And with that trust and with that faith, we know this too shall end. And I pray, God, that we come out the other side even stronger and better than we were before it took place. So thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Dr. Robertson Draga, thank you so much. We love you so much. And uh, have a brilliant day in Australia on your Saturday morning. Enjoy the day. And to everybody out there in Instagram world, thanks so much for joining us tonight. See you all again next week. See you again soon, Robbie. Love you, buddy. Have a great weekend, everyone. Good luck. Thank you for listening to this audacious podcast. We'd love for you to join us at one of our church services happening every Sunday, 10, 12, and 5.30 p.m. 